Our first reading today comes from the book of Psalms, number 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
<laughs> okay. I don't know what to do. All right. Oh, you could. Okay. Well. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. I'll be reading verses 24 through 30, and I invite you to actively listen or to follow along in your pew Bible. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know that he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it out to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then Jesus said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. The word of the Lord. A poem by Catherine Hawker. Don't beg, my mother told me. Don't whine, we tell our children. Be polite, the key to civil society. The foreigner approached the rabbi. Her need was great, her daughter ill, her desperation complete. And she begged, she whined, she was impolite. Hope emboldened by need. Shouting, heard, healing. Most stories of Jesus portray him as admirable. He does not operate within stereotypes. He is open. He embraces people who are unlike him, even hostile toward him. He does not try to squeeze them into a mold or demand their conformity to foreign ways for the enjoyment of salvation. He patiently draws them out to see and desire this marvelous gift. He breaks down the barriers that stand between people. He gives living water and the spirit and the blessings and salvation to all. But that is not the Jesus that we encounter in our text today. Today's Jesus encounters a non-Jewish woman a Syrophoenician, and is strikingly different from that of our safe, happy Jesus image. And this story 
of the Syrophoenician woman, ethic and gender and socioeconomic and political barriers prevail between her and Jesus. Jesus has no intention of inclusion of Gentile salvation. Not until the end, after Jesus and the disciples have reinforced these barriers and the woman's challenge of these barriers, do they fall through. We all need time to rest, time for ourselves to recuperate, to be alone. We need time to recharge our batteries and not worry about the demands of our job or the world. We want to escape where nobody can really bother us. We want some time and space to ourselves. So we plan a vacation. And maybe it's just a short weekend getaway. Maybe, you know, nothing big, a trip down to the beach or maybe to Charlottesville to hear some music or do some hiking. Just a few moments of peace. An opportunity to escape. Jesus has withdrawn to, into the district of Tyre, and this was predominantly Gentile territory, but he does not seek any mission activity among the Gentiles. He wants privacy. He retires to a house and didn't want anyone to know. Maybe we can assume he's tired from all those healings. Maybe he's exhausted from temple politics. And somewhere between being fully human and fully divine, Jesus hovers closer to the edge of humanity. And he needs and wants some rest. And he wants to be alone, and he has his vacation time all planned out, a nice dinner, some community time with close friends, a good night's rest. And then a disruption occurs. The sweet Sounds of vacation broken with inconvenience knocking at the door. Someone wants something of us. And something transpires in our lives and throws our plans off. <sighs> and the roll of the eyes and a heavy sigh, and we're like, what, what now? A woman with a sick daughter comes to bow at Jesus' feet. She is a Hellenist of the Syrophoenician race. She is both Gentile by race and Greek by culture. A Hellenized person refers to someone who speaks Greek and is otherwise integrated into Greek culture. Hellenization had had the greatest impact among the upper class, so the designation also suggests the woman's socioeconomic rank. So when this upper class Greek-speaking Gentile woman comes to a Jewish Galilean wandering teacher and healer, two different social worlds 
collide. From Jesus' standpoint as a Jew by race and a carpenter by trade, the differences would have been sore points as well. The inhabitants of Tyre are described as notorious bitter enemies. There was a history of economic and political oppression of the Jews by the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Jewish farmers produced most of the food for the city dwellers. And the city dwellers brought up and stored so much of the harvest for themselves that during times of crisis, the country folk did not have enough. So when this Syrophoenician Hellenist woman from this region seeks out help from a vacationing Jesus, her mission seems doomed from the start. The equivalent of this could be an upper middle class white American going to a minority or someone that we've oppressed who does our inferior work for us for meager wages in the middle of his or her vacation and saying, I know that I haven't always treated you fairly and I've worked you hard and paid you unfair wages and I know that I've called you names and assumed that you don't belong here and I know I have insulted your people, but please, please help me now. Please. Heal my child. This is a humbling that takes place between racial and economic and political lines from the rich to the poor. And Jesus doesn't get it right away. His pejorative remark is cruel and suggests the limits of salvation, love, and grace of God. Let the children get full first. For it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's a crude comment. Why should the rich continue to get their share? Let the poor eat first. You've had your fill for quite some time now. Jesus is on vacation. Jesus doesn't want to think about political and economic injustices between his people and the rich elite. And he sure doesn't want to help them right now. He doesn't want to help anybody. Jesus is in the tunnel vision of vacation and he wants to get back to it. The tunnel vision of his own agenda, of his own work, And we find Jesus in a place of checking things off his to-do list. So when this woman needs help, his first instinct is to get rid of her. But Jesus is not called to do the work of Jesus. He's called to do the work of God. And I'm sure we can relate to this. I know I can. Too often I find myself in the same place focused on setting up meetings and balancing my work projects and travel schedule and getting stuff done around the house. 
and I get so busy with my to-do list that I find myself feeling so inconvenienced when somebody comes to me needing help or calls me on the phone because they need a listening ear. And I get so caught up with the work of Holly that I forget I'm called to do the work of God. Or as a community, we get so bogged down with our own perspective, our way of life, desiring to protect our stuff. We think it's a great use of resources to build a 2,000-mile fence between the United States and Mexico. We are paralyzed by the enormity of problems in the world from issues of migration, even beyond our own borders. Remember that picture of the young Syrian boy washed up on the beach? In this year alone, nearly 1,600 people have died or vanished en route to Europe this year, including 1,100 while attempting to cross by sea from North Africa. And I don't want to casually negate the complexities of migration and immigration and proper documentation, but so often we get so caught up in the rules and regulations that we begin to demonize others and we stop treating them as human beings. More importantly, we stop treating them as children of God. We are all called to set aside our own personal agendas to do the work that God calls us to. And sometimes all we need is a wake-up call, someone to snap the fingers of reality and thank goodness for those people who remind us of the work that God calls us to. The Syrophoenician woman reminds us of God's work that needs to be done, and she is bold and brave, and she reminds Jesus of the same. She is a prophet of religious imagination as she opens the door for us to see and understand God's abundance. There should be no fear that there will not be enough food or love, or grace, or even salvation, that we have a God of abundance, and there is more than enough to go around. And she calls us into accountability. She is able to see God's kingdom and helps us recognize that our God is much larger than we could ever imagine. That we have a God of everyone and all peoples, that there is not a God of the Jews and the Gentiles, just as there is not a God of the whites and the blacks and the Muslims and the Jews. There is a God of all. This woman could have retaliated with the witty, pejorative comment after Jesus calls her a dog. But she knows that the answer to violence is not more violence as she tears apart the old adage, an eye for an eye. And instead she chooses to move forward with reconciliation and forgiveness. In the wake 
of the growing gap between rich and the poor and continued racism and religious intolerance, this story is challenging. If this story makes you uncomfortable, your discomfort should go deeper than it portraying Jesus in a moment of imperfection. Your discomfort should stem because we identify with a Syrophoenician woman, privileged and influential and educated and opportunity abounding. And we must face the tension of being the ones in that place who must humble ourselves to those who we claim as different. We must move ourselves to the same place of religious imagination as the Syrophoenician woman. And that's hard because it doesn't fit into our nicely packaged worldview. Because it doesn't fit our own agenda. Because we are the ones who both need the wake-up call and must be the wake-up call. This is not a simple story of a woman who proves her faith to Jesus. This is a confrontational, provocative challenge, reminding the world that if we want to make claims about God's undeniable love, then we're going to have to be bold. We're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to embody God's grace and love. And we're going to have to practice forgiveness. And we are going to have to put aside our own agendas and do the work of God. Let it be so.